0: y'all this is Ben Ellis with another edition of Preaching Pistons Freak.com's podcast on your Detroit Pistons and the NBA and I know we surprised you a little bit because you thought the season was over this was going to go away but nah surprise surprise we're still going to keep it going in the offseason but only a small amount of time has passed since the Pistons season ended at the hands of the surging Cavs in the first round of the playoffs but it doesn't stop in NBA front offices uh, even when the season's over. Draft preparations are ongoing, and here to talk a little NBA draft is Pistons assistant GM, Brian Wright. What's up, B-Wright?
1: Not too much, man. How you doing?
0: Doing good. Doing good. good. Here's the part where I tell you that I'm going to miss the offseason highlight of <laughs> mine, the draft lottery party at the Palace, so you guys have excised that from off the offseason calendar. I mean, I don't miss it, but I guess it's a good thing for you guys.
1: Yeah, I don't miss it either, um, it had been a few years in a row uh, going back to Orlando and last year here where, you know, you're, you're sitting and watching the playoffs. So it was good to get that opportunity, get our guys to get in and, and get that experience and, and know where we're drafting, uh, you know, come June 23rd.
0: Okay. Well, before we talk a little draft, I'm a, I want to get a little into your background, not too deep, but, you know, I want to know how long have you known Stan Van Gundy and your thought process when you decided to join him shortly after he was hired by the Pistons in May of 2014. So a lot of time has passed, but it really is a short, time, short amount of time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually met Coach uh, when he first started with Orlando. Um, I had been there for about a year and some, about a year and a half, um, including the summer. Um, what were you doing then? What was your I had started as an intern actually, intern? and then I, at that point in time, when Coach was there, I was the scouting coordinator. So still working uh, primarily on the draft stuff with uh, Assistant GM Dave Tordjik. Um just kind of helped coordinating the whole thing and, and putting it all together uh, with our scouts there in Orlando. So um, he came in and, and spent our entire duration there together. Um, and then once he left uh, and he was out a little bit, I spent those last two years with Orlando in the director of scouting role. Um, and then, you know, once he got this opportunity, that's when, you know, we kind of talked about the opportunity again and um, kind of put it all together in uh, early July.
0: Anything specifically obviously you have to ask Stan about that but is there anything about how you handled yourself or the way you did things that you thought was a natural fit or a natural attraction for Stan when he approached you about joining his uh organization yeah I'm not
1: sure I think you know that's probably a question that you know he could answer a little bit more than me but I I know I took a lot from watching him um and in life that that's kind of how it goes I think um You know, when you're in your job, you just have to work hard and put your head down, and you never know when other people may be noticing or watching. So um, you do the best that you can, and then, you know, you let the chips fall where they may. But I know I took a lot from how he prepared, how he went about uh, his day-to-day dealings with his staff and his players. And I think from everybody that you work with, regardless if you're working directly with them on a day-to-day basis or if they're in another part of the organization, there's a chance to, to gain something from what they do. Um, and how they do things. So I know I, I was able to take a lot from him.
0: Well, look at it this way. Um, the Pistons at the time, before he got here, kind of known as a, I'll say, it, I was here for those times, dysfunctional, um, you know, coaches in and out of here. There was a question mark whether Stan, a guy who never really had personnel duties before, I guess some personnel duties, I guess he he knew about trades and stuff that was going down. I mean, I guess he'd always give his opinion on those. Or, But that being said, there was a question mark about him being able to both. But I guess sound like you're saying that in your time under him, with him as a coach, you had no doubt that he would be able to juggle both roles, and you thought it was a good opportunity for you.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think for all coaches, I think sometimes we look at it as it's completely different players. I think they they scout them, they watch them, they you know they do all their preparation to play every game, so they have a, a great understanding of the personnel throughout the league. Um, I think you know what just goes into it is how do you manage the day to day of evaluating that, but. They always have personnel experience and I know that uh, he and Otis were very close they talked all the time about trades and free agency and I think they did those things hand in hand so him walking into that role and, and being the final decision maker there you know there was no doubt that he you know could do that and obviously understood the league and, and personnel so you know there was no you know no doubt in my mind that he was able to walk right in and do that at a high level
0: sure 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 and to your point if, you, if, if there were the bits of doubt, Uh, whether it happened, you might not have taken the job, so you you had to be fully comfortable with the situation.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think uh, when you take jobs, regardless of the role or, you know, the title, I I think what's most important is the people um, and, and the type of people they are and the type of environment that they're looking to create. And I think if those things are aligned, I think the job itself becomes easy. Um, not that the task is easy, but going to work every day and putting the time in becomes easy and so for me, that was the easy part of deciding on the job because you know you knew the type of person that you were walking um you know into a relationship with from a working perspective, and you know I felt really comfortable with that
0: sure, sure, sure. well, before we look at this year 's draft let 's take a look back quick look at the first really true draft of the organization um, towards the end of the season, Stan said. Stanley Johnson and Dar- Darren Hilliard were exactly as advertised in a good way mm-hmm. uh, when drafted. Uh, I, I took that as a very <coughs> a very high compliment to you and your scouts and the whole coll- collegiate scouting department. What goes through your mind when you hear that, basically that you didn't oversell them, basically you told them what they were, you, they had a complete understanding of their strengths and weaknesses by the time they got, got when you actually had them?
1: Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, it goes back to the process. Um, and you know obviously we have a lot of great people and those people put a lot of time and effort into it but I think um you know over the years and being with some other great front offices and great people I think you learn to have a process in in which of doing things and um your process will in turn dictate the outcome a lot of times and I think what we did was we had a process and so throughout the you know, the season, and as we got to this point where we're continuing to evaluate and and continue to research, I think the information that we gave Stan and hopefully the thoroughness that in which we did it, um, he had a clear picture of what he was getting in terms of strengths and weaknesses and in terms of the person. And you're going to have ups and downs and struggles with everybody throughout, you know, the course of their careers, just like we have struggles, you know, in our day-to-day lives. But I think the information that you gather along the way helps you manage how to deal with that and how to maybe see some things coming and, and how to you know how to manage that whole thing. And I think, you know, from that standpoint, I think we were uh, we were pretty prepared and I think it kinda helps stand throughout the season of kind of knowing what these guys uh need, knowing where they are, knowing what they can do, what they can't do and, and how they'll grow over the next few
0: years. Well, um especially with Darren, you know, you look back, you know, he wasn't even on some team's draft boards. Mm-hmm. You guys had him like a late first-round grade. So, I guess, tell us a little about that process. I've talked to you at length about the scouting process mm-hmm. of Stanley, but tell us a little about the insight into how you guys were able to figure out that basically down here it looks like a skilled player. W- Once you get some physical aspects of it down, mm-hmm. it looks like he'll be a productive player for years in this, in this league.
1: Yeah, you know, it starts with uh, evaluating the person. And, so as we evaluated Darren, there were certain attributes that stood out um, as things that we've identified as players that could be successful here. Um, and, you know, the great thing about it is that everybody that's successful here or successful somebody, somewhere else may not be successful here. So I think identifying those things early and um, what those things are kind of helped give us some guidance into – you know, how you would actually rank a guy versus just saying this guy's talent versus this guy's talent. And I, and I think, um, you know, development timelines and all that, you know, comes into play when you're talking about Darren or whoever you're talking about. Um, but but I think he has certain qualities and attributes away from basketball that kind of were in in line with what we've outlined um, and what we want to be about. And then as you evaluated the basketball piece, there were a lot of things that he did well that complemented some of the other players on our roster. And then when you break down the physical aspect of it and, and how he could develop, you could see that there was considerable growth left, even though he was 22 and a senior, um, and then he may you know fit really well into kind of what we do on both ends of the floor.
0: So basically what you're saying is uh, there's the talent evaluation part of it, but also it seems as if talent is big, but fit is almost almost as important?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times that will define success. I think you you can look at free agency every year and and see guys change teams and they'll go from one situation where they were successful and they'll get to another situation where they may not have as much, you know, individual or team success. And you kind of look back at that and try to figure out what exactly happened, what didn't work. And a lot of times players don't get worse, you know, in some situations they do, but a lot of times it's how they fit. And so Really trying to understand your situation, understand your personnel, and understand how a player may fit into that and what they bring to accent the other guys and accent your organization as a whole, I think is kind of how we kind of view it.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Well, enough about the past. Um, Darren and Stanley both appear to have bright futures in this league, so I guess it's a credit to you your scouting staff and the organization as well. Uh, But on to the upcoming draft, brass tacks. What position or position is strongest in the next upcoming draft?
1: That's a good question. Um, I think that's still being determined. Um, I think there's there's obviously quality players throughout each position. Um, and I think each team looks at that a little differently based on what your roster looks like. Um you, it may be a deep point guard draft, and if you're not looking for a point guard, you may view the draft a little differently than the team does that views a point guard or a center or a power forward or whatever the case may be. Um, I think this draft is interesting because of the you know the rule change and you know how many you know early entries actually stay in the Basically, draft. Basically, uh,
0: the time where people have to just let people know yeah. specifically whether they're gonna stay in the draft got moved back yeah. to. May twenty twenty 25th. 25th yes. yes. And it used to be like the first week of May around? around yeah, was? It, was,
1: it was it was a lot earlier time yes. period the last few yes. years. And so um, I think you have more people going through the process now. And, uh, you know, for us to really evaluate the strength of a position or strength of a draft, you really have to know who's actually going to be in the draft. And I think right now we have a lot of people going through the process that may be staying in, may not. Um, but we're, you know, we're still trying to evaluate what the total picture of the draft will look like over the next few weeks.
0: Did you prefer it that way? I know I've talked to some people who said they kind of, you know, liked it better, maybe the way it was. This because you gotta basically evaluate more people. Is yeah. that part? Is that your experience so far? You
1: know, the first time you do anything in life, it's always going to be unique and more of a challenge. Um, just because you don't really know how to approach it. You 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 have a concept. You have an idea. You you put a process in place. But in year one, there's no time to refine it and make sure you're doing it, you know, the best way possible. So I think we're all going through it for the first time. Um, you know, I think that it is what it is. I, I don't really, you know, assess it to where um, you like one way or the other. I think this is the rule now. So this is what, you know, we're, we're going to kind of work our way through and just – and just try to figure out the best way to tackle it. And I think, you know, come May 25, May 26, once we get that that final list, we'll have a better idea of what the draft actually looks like.
0: When you look at the, uh, the combine list, we haven't seen the full list yet, but just those reports about who's going and who's not. When you – they said there was some, some people named on that list, like older players, but there seemed to be a consensus that because those guys – you have fuller books on those guys. I mm-hmm. guess Yogi Ferrell is one guy I'm thinking of specifically who may not be at the combine. Mm-hmm. Is that your sense as well that you would like to get look at guys? Maybe you don't have as like maybe a complete dossier. No. That's the kind of guys you want at the combine.
1: I think each team is different, and I, you know I don't know how each team filled out their combine ballot, but. Um you know it's tough uh on both ends I, I i do think you have to evaluate some of these early entry guys on the chance that they do stay in the draft, but you don't know which way that's gonna go obviously um but you know for some of the seniors that have been there for four years and worked really hard, they've earned this right to be mm-hmm. at the combine and that's and that's a that's a tough you know thing for me um you know they they put a lot of time and they put a lot of hard work and they've sacrificed a lot and you know, so for them to not be there, I know it's tough on them. Um, it's tough on us in a lot of ways um, because there's certain things that we get at the combine that if they're not there, it's going to make it a little bit more of a challenge. But, um, you know, again, it goes back to the rule is the rule, and we're all dealing with it, and, you know, they're going to deal with it in their ways, and we just have to work around it the best way we can to make sure we we're prepared for June 23rd.
0: Sure. Um, with the rescinded trade, oh, with Martinus mm-hmm. uh around the trade deadline, mm-hmm. The first round pick was a part of that deal. Yeah. He would have lost it. Uh, how the season played out if mm-hmm. it went through. Yeah. How do you gauge the value of a first round pick in a trade? And I, 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 hopefully, you get what I'm asking. Yeah,
1: you. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think I do. And if I answer it wrong, you can stop me. We'll start over. I will. But, um, I, I think you're comparing it relative to what you're getting back in the deal and what you think you could have, whether it's three, four, or five years down the line with The draft pick obviously the the rookie scale contract only lasts four years so the evaluation of that player in the time in which you would potentially have them um and how they could impact your team and how they they could help your team so uh for us you know we felt that the deal was you know best for us to improve as a team at the time obviously you know things happened and it didn't work out but um you know i think that's how we look at it you you try to Gauge where you would pick, where it's th- the, the draft range where you could potentially pick and how the players that you kind of see in that range at that moment um, could potentially develop and what their ceiling is within that three- to four-year window versus what you would be getting back in return. Gotcha. And then, you know, a lot of dollar figures and costs attached to that. Sure, 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 But, you know, you, you, it starts with the the pure evaluation of the player and how you he can help your team.
0: Do you have, like, a card on there, like, with – uh? Value dollar amounts or anything like that, but like I guess I'm thinking about the Jimmy Johnson thing, like the rules where he would trade picks based on his value and stuff. You have the same similar yeah, situation. Yeah,
1: we we have something that kind of maps out, um, you know, projected value or expected value from previous years, and then even things in terms of like costs as you factor, you know, second round picks and and what you know the average cost should be versus the average production you know we have you know some of that type of stuff that helps you but each situation is individual so you do um, go it by play by player yeah you can't make any decision that's just based on you know past or you know you know whatever that is that you have outlined to kind of help you identify uh, steps along the way i think you have to look at it case by case and player by player
0: sure sometimes the decision might be easy if it's like a wildly outside those numbers, but if it's close, if it's a little bit outside, you might go ahead and make the call to go ahead and do the deal.
1: Absolutely, and, and, you know, each draft is different. So, you know, you can you can build all those things, but, you know, what may be, um, you know, 18 in last year's draft may be different than 18 in, in this year's draft. So I think it's all relative to the year in which you're drafting and, and the player in which you're trading for.
0: Sure, sure, sure. Last question, um, I would imagine one of the toughest things you guys have to do is uh, avoiding or tuning out all the noise around prospects? Like, look at Ben Simmons, mm-hmm. the guy who's had ton of tons of ink and lots of gigabytes devoted to him this past year. Is it too tough not to be influenced by the noise or the, all the noise around some persons? Because I'm quite sure you guys consume some of this stuff as well. You see it.
1: Yeah, uh, and, and not so much in relation to, to 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 him or any prospect, but just to answer your question in general. Yeah, there's a lot out there, um, and there's a lot of people with information and there's a lot of information sources. I think for us is trying to, and Jeff, Jeff Bauer says this all the time, trying to evaluate the the things that are real, um, the things that have true value, the things that, um, we get information wise that, you know, have some validity to it and aren't just, um, random opinion, um you know for us it's our job like we're we're in the opinion business and uh you know our scouts they spend a lot of time whether it's going to games watching film doing background work whatever the case may be to to formulate their own opinion and i think that's one thing that we try to push here is have your own opinion and that's okay and it's you know people are going to look at things and read articles and that's that's human nature but trying to you know get through all those pieces of information and get to what's valid, what's not, and then what's important to your organization. Um, I think as we, we go through the process, those are the things that we try to ask ourselves. And, you know, it's tough. It's, it's a lot of noise. Um, And it's, it's something that, you know, draws a lot of interest from a lot of people. So, you know, we understand it, and, um, you know, for us, it's just to try to sift through everything and make sure that we're making the best possible decisions with the best information.
0: I know some of the, all the noise, I get a chuckle out of it. I imagine you get a chuckle out of it as well at times.
1: Yeah, some of it. I mean, you know, you got to be willing to laugh at ourselves too. I mean, sometimes, well, you know, you look back at what you may have thought, you know, two years ago, and you like, what was I thinking? But, you know, I think you have to be willing to to laugh at some of it and, and uh, take some of it in, and, you know, at the end of the day um, – Like I said, it's an opinion business, and it's our job to give Jeff and Stan our opinions and our work that we put into it and allow them to make final decisions on what they want to do based on the information that we have. So, um, you know, we just try to do the best job of that that we possibly can.
0: (laughs) Thanks for uh, the roughly 20 minutes you Yeah, hopefully I
1: didn't bore your listeners too much, but uh, no, absolutely, thanks for having me on.
0: No (laughs) doubt, no doubt, but thanks to Brian for joining us. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of Preaching Pistons. Check out the podcast at freak.com or iTunes. Download Michigan.com's Pistons app, Pistons Extra, at the Apple App Store. See you at the Palace.